السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ ہاؤ یو آر ڈوئنگ الحمد للہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم اهدي قلبي وسدد لساني واسلل سخيمه قلبي امين يا رب العالمين باب نمبر 17 كتاب التهجد باب فضل الطهور بالليل والنهار وفضل الصلاه بعد الوضوء بالليل والنهار chapter fadl at-tuhur the virtue of tuhur what is tuhur purity meaning the state of purification the state in which a person can perform salah which is to be in the state of wudu so fadl at-tuhur when bil in the night one nahar and the day meaning the virtue of staying in wudu during the night and during the day through the night and through the day meaning when a person goes to sleep they sleep in a state of wudu in the morning also when they rise the first thing they do is they perform wudu and as soon as a person loses their wudu they perform it immediately so what is the virtue of doing that and then wa fadlis salati ba'da alwudu the virtue of performing prayer after making wudu meaning every time that a person makes wudu what do they do they perform salah and of course this is referring to voluntary salah bil layli wan nahar any time in the night or in the day now you may wonder why is this being mentioned in the book of tahajjud because even in the middle of the night when a person wakes up and they perform wudu and they perform salah they're not required to it's not wajib but if they do that then what is the virtue associated with that let us find out حدثنا اسحاق بن نصر حدثنا ابو اسامه عن ابي حيان عن ابي زرعه عن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه ان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لبلال the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to bilal radiyallahu anhu in the salat al-fajr at the time of the fajr prayer remember that bilal radiyallahu anhu would come to seek the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's permission for making the adhan All right? This is the etiquette that the mu'adhin must observe. A person who's making the adhan doesn't just go up into the masjid and say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. No. You are required to go to the imam first and ask him permission. Shall I give the adhan? When the imam says yes, then you make the adhan. Always. All right? Before making the adhan, the permission of the imam must be taken. So Bilal radiyallahu anhu was on fajr duty also he was a muaddin of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he would come to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at fajr time either wake him up or greet him and by that he was basically gaining approval for making the adhan so one day when he came the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to him ya bilal o bilal hadithni tell me bi arja amalin amiltahu fil islam Tell me about the deed which you have performed and you are most hopeful about. Most hopeful about meaning you believe that that's the best thing that you've done. Or that is the best deed that you are performing. Tell me, be arja. What does arja mean? From raja. Raja is hope. So that which you have most hope about. فَإِنِّي سَمِعْتُ Because I have heard, and who is saying this? The Prophet ﷺ is saying that I have heard دَفَّنَ عَلَيْكَ 
I have heard the sound of your na'laik. What are na'laik? Fakhla' na'laik. In the Quran Allah says. Sandals. Right? When Musa a.s. came to the mountain, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, Fakhla' na'laik. Remove your sandals. So the same word na'laik is here. The Prophet wasallam said to him, that I heard the sound of your sandals bayna yadayya in front of me fil jannah in paradise. So tell me, what is that deed which you have performed and you're so hopeful about because I have heard your footsteps in front of me in Jannah. Qala, Bilal radiallahu anhu said, Ma amiltu amalan. I have not performed any deed. Aruja indi that I am most hopeful about. Except that, that deed is anni, that indeed I, lam atatahar tuhuran fi sa'ati laylin aw naharin. I do not perform tuhur as in wudu during any hour of the night or the day, illa sallaytu bidhalika tuhuri, except that I perform after that tuhur, after that wudu, ma kutibali an usalli. That which is written for me, that I should perform. In other words, any time in the night or the day, I perform wudu. What do I do? I perform salah. How much salah? As much as is written for me, as in as much as I am able to. Qala Abu Abdullah, dafa na'alayka, yani tahrik. Abu Abdullah explained na'alayk, the daf of na'alayk, with tahrik. Tahrik means movement. So he said, Daffan alayk, the words of the hadith, what they mean is movement of your sandals. And the sound that is made by the movement of the footsteps. So this hadith, Imam Bukhari is quoting here to prove that any time in the night or the day, you make wudu and you make salah, voluntary salah, then what is the virtue of that if a person develops this habit? It's clear from this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said he heard the footsteps of Bilal radiallahu anhu in front of him in Jannah. Meaning he heard him walking in paradise. And this is a great virtue. And you see how it's mentioned here, any time in the night, any time in the day. Alright? Which means, even if it is at a time when technically salah is prohibited, the three times when salah is prohibited, even then, if a person makes wudu at that time, then they can perform salah. Alright? Because remember the rule is that for voluntary prayer, for voluntary prayer, if there is a sabab, if there is a reason, then you can perform that voluntary prayer at any time. Okay? So for example, if a person has this habit of performing two rakah salah after making wudu, and it happens to be the time of before zuhr, right? when the sun is at its peak, can they perform two rakah salah because they have this habit of performing? Yes, the sabab is there, the reason is there. Likewise, if a person performed asr at home and then they went to the masjid, right? They went to the masjid. Can they perform two rakah of tahiyyatul masjid? Yes, they can. Alright? Because technically, you don't pray after asr until maghrib. Right? But now, you're going to the masjid. There's a sabab for you to perform that two rakah. Can you perform it? Yes, you can. It's amazing. What happens is that after asr, people will go to the masjid and they will stay standing. They won't sit down. Right? Or they will avoid going inside the masjid because they're kind of confused. What do I do? And if they don't pray, again, they're feeling guilty. So what do we learn here? Any time of the night or the day, 
You see the bab? What is the words that Imam Bukhari has used? That فَضْلِ الطُّهُورِ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَفَضْلِ الصَّلَاةِ بَعْدَ الْوُضُوءِ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ Any time in the night, any time in the day. So likewise, if a person is, you know, there's two rakah that you perform after tawaf. Alright? So even that, if it happens to be after asr, alright, or at a time that is before zuhur, you can perform those two rakah. Alright? When there is a sabab. Alright? When there is a cause, a reason. Now, here we see from the habit of Bilal radiallahu anhu, what do we learn? Tell me something you have learnt from the habit of Bilal radiallahu anhu. The Prophet wasallam asked him, tell me any deed you have performed in Islam that you are most hopeful about. When we think of Bilal radiallahu anhu, what do we think of? Hmm? Okay, Mu'adhin. And before that? His patience, the hardship that he endured. Isn't it? How much suffering he went through for the cause of keeping his Islam. He was tortured, he was abused, he was beaten, he was left to basically die multiple times, starved and left thirsty with heavy stones on his chest so that he couldn't even move. So he didn't mention that. Isn't it amazing? He doesn't mention that, that I am hopeful that I will be rewarded for this deed, for my patience. Right? And this is what we usually remember. The difficulties, the hardships in our lives. What I suffered 20 years ago. Right? What I suffered 10 years ago. And that has no effect on your life anymore. But we still don't get over it. Bilal radiallahu anhu is focusing on what he is doing at the moment. We keep, you know, remembering our past. Alright? And then we keep thinking that we are still good because of what we did in our past. What matters is, what am I doing? Right now. What am I doing right now? What is done, written, you know, it's over. That's history. I should be focusing on my present. Because if we keep dwelling on our past, we're never going to improve. And this is what happens. We think, oh, when I studied the Qur'an like, you know, five years ago, that was the most beautiful time. And what is my connection with the Qur'an right now? I don't know. But what matters is, I did have a connection once upon a time. No. What's done is done. What am I doing right now? That is what matters. And what is the deed that Bilal radiallahu anhu mentions? He stayed in wudu. When? All the time. Every time that he lost his wudu, he went and made wudu again. And every time he performed wudu, he prayed some salah. How much ever was possible. Did you want to say something? In another hadith we learned that this hadith is mentioned in Sahih al-Jamir al-Saghir that the Prophet ﷺ said, the night I was taken to Mi'raj, that night I entered Jannah and I heard the sound of someone's footsteps on one side. So I asked, O Jibreel, what is this? And he said, this is Bilal the Mu'addin. This is Bilal the Mu'addin. So this is where we learn he heard the sounds of his footsteps in Jannah. In another hadith we learn the Prophet ﷺ asked him the same question and he said, O oh Allah's Messenger, I have never called the Adhan except that I prayed to Raqqa. And I never lost wudu except that I performed wudu upon that. And I considered that I owed Allah to Raqqa. Every time he made Adhan, he prayed to Raqqa. 
every time he lost wudu, he made wudu. Every time he made wudu, he prayed two rak'ah. How difficult is it to make wudu? How long does it take? How long does it take? Have you ever timed yourself? And the summer is coming, right? So there should be no difficulty in making wudu. You see, staying in the state of wudu is a habit that fixes many things. Many things. If you have wudu, you can get up and pray as soon as the time for prayer enters. Isn't it so? When we don't have wudu, and the time for prayer enters, what do we think? Okay, I'll pray, but first I have to make wudu, so you know what, let me just finish what I'm doing. Isn't it? So we get busy in finishing what we're doing, that takes so long, then finally we go make wudu, and then finally we pray. But if we had wudu from before, then all we would have to do is just pause, pray, get back. Staying in the state of wudu makes a person active. It doesn't allow you to be lazy. If you want to fix your prayer, start with wudu. Start with fixing wudu. You know, for example, even coming to the masjid, we find it difficult to perform two rakah. Why? Because we don't have wudu. Who's going to go to the masjid bathrooms and then make wudu over there? Right? My abaya sleeves don't go up. How am I going to make wudu? You know, we have a list of excuses. I'll have to take my whole hijab off. Well, you know what? Praying to rakah when you come to the masjid, tahiyyatul wudu, I heard it's not really that important, so it's okay if I let it go. You see how we lose so many opportunities. Staying in the state of wudu is a door to khair. The Prophet ﷺ asked him, that, which deed have you performed in Islam? Right? So he got honor through Islam. Anything else? We can also learn from the Prophet Sallallahu um, questioning Bilal radiallahu anhu that even though it's the Prophet Sallallahu when he found out that someone's doing something good, he actually went up to him and asked him and inquired how he could, like, you know, exactly. do the same. I mean, it could have been anyone's footsteps. But he asked, whose footsteps are these? And when he's informed that it's Bilal, he's wondering, what is it that he's doing? There's got to be something special. So he went and asked. He was curious. Yes, again his humility that I pray as much as is written for me. Right? He doesn't specify the number. Again he's giving credit to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As much as Allah has written for me. Humble servant of Allah. Bab ma yukrahu min tashdeed fi al-ibadah. Ma yukrahu. What is disliked? Min tashdeed of tashdeed. Fil ibadah in worship. What is tashdeed? Shadda. Shidda. What is that? What does it mean? Like if there is a shadda on the qaf, what will you do? Huh? You will read it twice, right? You will read it with force, isn't it? You will put pressure over there, isn't it? So this is what tashdeed is. To make, to do something in an extreme manner. So tashdeed fil ibadah, excess or being extreme in worship. Okay? Making it hard upon oneself. This is basically beyond what is moderate. Okay? And what happens is that when a person does too much of anything, then what happens? It becomes hard on him, no matter what it is. Like for example, many women get tired and bored of cooking. Why? Because they have to do it all the time. Isn't it? 
Many girls, they get fed up of unloading the dishwasher. Why? Because every day that's what they have to do. Alright, people get tired of mowing the lawn because that's what they have to do all the time. Right? So the thing is that anything you do too much of, then your nafs is such that it will get bored of it. Isn't it? And it's not just the quantity, but also the the difficulty that you impose on yourself while doing it. Okay? Like for example, it may not be the fact that you're cooking every day that's making cooking difficult for you, but the fact that you're trying out new things every day and making exotic dishes every day, which is, you know, stressful and difficult on the budget and, you know, physically hard also because you have to wash more dishes, right? So this is tashdeed. Tashdeed fil ibadah, even that is disliked. Then what does that tell us about tashdeed in cooking? Or tashdeed in cleaning? Hmm? Or tashdeed in dressing up, tashdeed in shopping, in socializing, in partying. What about that? If tashdeed in ibadah is disliked, what is the best thing that we could do in our lives? It's worship, isn't it? So if we're not allowed to do tashdeed in ibadah, how are we allowed, or how would it be liked if we do tashdeed in any other matter? It's not okay. You see, going to extremes in any matter is not okay. When it comes to spending even, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about Ibadur Rahman? That they are neither wasteful nor are they stingy. They're moderate. Right? So ما يكره من التشديد في العبادة حدثنا أبو معمر حدثنا عبد الوارث عن عبد العزيز بن صهيب عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال دخل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم entered Anas bin Malik is narrating that he entered and what happened? فَإِذَا حَبْلٌ مَمْدُودٌ And it is said that he entered the masjid. And in the masjid he saw a habl, a rope, that was mamdudun, that was hanging. Why? Where? Between two pillars. بَيْنَ السَّارِيَتَيْنِ فَقَالَ So he said, مَا هَذَا الْحَبْلِ What is this rope? What's this rope doing here? Why is there a rope hanging in the masjid? Qalu, they said, هَذَا حَبْلٌ لِزَيْنَبْ This rope belongs to Zainab. Meaning Zainab has hung it over here, she uses it. Why would she use that rope in the masjid? Like why? فَإِذَا فَتَرَتْ تَعَلَّقَتْ This is for her to help her in worship because when she gets tired, then تَعَلَّقَتْ She hangs on to it. Okay? Like for example, if you're tired of standing, alright, but you have something to lean on to, then is it easier for you to stand? It is. So she had hung that rope in the masjid so that it would be easy for her to continue praying even after she was tired. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, لا, no. حُلُّوهُ Remove it. Untie it, remove it. لِيُصَلِّ أَحَدُكُمْ نَشَاطَهُ each one of you or one of you should pray only to his nashat. What does nashat mean? To be active and energetic. Meaning, pray only as long as you remain energetic. فَإِذَا فَتَرَ Then when he gets tired, meaning one of you gets tired while praying, what should he do? فَلْيَقْعُدْ He should sit down. There's no need to force yourself to stand when you're tired of standing. If you're tired, then just sit down. 
So what do we see in this hadith? The Prophet ﷺ is entering the masjid and he sees something strange. He inquires about it and he is informed that this is what it is and this is who it belongs to and this is why she has put it here. And the Prophet ﷺ told the people to remove it and then he also told them why. Alright, he taught them something very important. So what does this hadith tell us? First of all, when you see something unusual, and if you are someone of a position where you can inquire about it, then find out. What happens is, we don't find out, we don't investigate the matter, we ignore it, we just get upset in our hearts, alright? And then we talk back, but we don't inquire and we don't really solve the problem. You see in the, in the hadith, continuously you will see the Prophet wasallam is focused on solutions. Focused on what is important. Even when it comes to hearing the footsteps of Bilal, he's wondering, what is it? And he goes and asks Bilal. Here, he sees the rope, he asks, what is this for? What is the purpose? Then the next thing we see is that a lady is praying in the masjid. When? This is referring to which prayer, of course? The night prayer. Because when it comes to fard prayer, you have to stand and pray. Alright? Unless you are not able to stand and pray. But when it comes to the night prayer, voluntary prayer, then what can you do? You can sit and pray and your reward will be reduced. Right? So we see that she did not want to lose reward, so she forced herself to stand and pray. And the Prophet ﷺ, he did not permit that. So what do we learn from this? When you get tired, either sit down and pray or just What's the other solution? Just stop. قَالَ وَقَالَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ بْنِ مَسْلَمَةَ عَنْ مَالِكٍ عَنْ هِشَامِ بْنِ عُرْوَةَ عَنْ أَبِيهِ عَنْ عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ كَانَتْ عِنْدِ مْرَأَةٌ مِنْ بَنِي أَسَدٍ Aisha رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا She said that once a lady came to me from Banu Asad. Alright, she was with me. فَدَقَلَ عَلَيَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. So at that time, the Prophet ﷺ came, فَقَالَ And he asked, مَنْ هَذِهِ Who is this lady? Alright, who is this person? He didn't recognize her, so he asked his wife, who is she? قُلْتُ Aisha anha said, that I said to him, فُلَانَةُ It's that lady, لَا تَنَامُ بِاللَّيْلِ Who does not sleep in the night. What does that mean? She prays all night long. This is how this lady was known. And Aisha anha is praising her, before the Prophet ﷺ, such and such lady, لا تنام بالليل فذكر من صلاتها And then something about her salah was mentioned. Alright, people were praising her salah. فَقَالَ He said, مَه Stop. عَلَيْكُمْ مَا تُطِيقُونَ مِنَ الْأَعْمَالِ You must do what you are capable of doing of various actions. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَمَلُّ حَتَّى تَمَلُّوا Allah does not get tired until you get tired. So you see how people were praising and talking about her salah, that how how much she exaggerates and how much she performs salah. And the Prophet ﷺ, what is his answer? Mah. Enough. Stop. Because this is what people love to talk about, right? Isn't it? The difficulty that people go through in performing ibadah. And the Prophet ﷺ, is he impressed? No. He said, enough, stop. Alright? Now what happens is, for example, even when people go for hajj, what do they think? It's better to walk throughout hajj. Alright? They will not take the bus ride 
from the Haram to Mina. Or they will not take a ride from Mina to Muzdalifa. They will say, we will walk. And the Prophet ﷺ, did he walk during his Hajj? Did he? He was on a camel. Even we learned that his tawaf he did on a camel. Isn't it? Some tawaf the Prophet ﷺ performed while riding his camel. And if we find out that somebody was using a wheelchair in tawaf, we say, uh-uh, how sad. Right? Or if we find out that they're using that, what's that board? Hoverboard. Huh? We say, oh, that's so sad. The Prophet ﷺ rode a camel for tawaf. We think somehow that if we make religion difficult in ourselves, we're somehow being more pious. Difficulty does not mean piety. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that what is part of our religion, what is mandatory. You see, some things are mandatory. We have to do them even if we find them hard. Isn't it? And then your reward will be according to the hardship that you endure. The struggle that you go through. The effort that you put in. Isn't it? Like for example, when it comes to praying Fajr Salah. Right? A person finds it hard, they struggle, and then they pray. Their reward will be according to their struggle. Can they leave Fajr because they find it difficult? Can they? No. Can they leave Isha because they find it difficult? No. Can a woman leave hijab because she finds it difficult? No. But when it comes to voluntary deeds, or the matters in which there is more wus'a, you have an option. There is choice. In regards to that, there is no need to impose difficulty on oneself. There is no need to impose difficulty on oneself. Because when we make matters difficult for ourselves, what are we doing? What are we doing? Tell me, what happens? What are the consequences of making religion hard upon ourselves? By going to extremes, yes? Exactly, that is one consequence that we start... Right? We're very overzealous, and then gradually what happens? Decline. And complete stop. Hmm? Okay, that's one consequence. Any other consequence? Any other result? Yes? There's no progress. Exactly. And in life, what should we be doing? We should be progressing. Isn't it? But what happens is that if we, you know, go very hard on ourselves at the beginning, we're not going to continue improving. We're going to decline. A person might begin to feel arrogant and as a result there is lack of sincerity. And then what happens? Instead of enjoying it, we start disliking it. Isn't it? Yes? Exactly. When you make it too hard on yourself, you don't want to do it anymore. And when you don't want to do it anymore, when your heart's not in it, then what happens? If your heart's not in it, you're not doing it with love, then what is the reward going to be? Think about it. Reward is with the state of your heart also. Go ahead. It can also affect you like mentally if you put this expectation on yourself and you're not able to achieve it every time, then like it might lead you to, you know, bad feelings about yourself and like your iman might go lower. Yes. And then you you look at yourself as a failure, right? You doubt your abilities. Start telling people about how it's affected you negatively so that other people's other people don't end up doing it as well. Exactly. Very true. What else? Yes? Honestly, people could affect you. Like they could tell you you couldn't be able to do it and then you would 
I guess, give up on it and yeah. you don't have passion for it anymore. Exactly. As people's arrogance towards you because they know you can do it, but they tell you you can't. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else? Like you do it, you used to do it before, but now like you're making it too hard on yourself and you're just doubting, oh yeah, this is not going to help me. Exactly. You start disliking that action. That action that was supposed to be so beautiful, you begin to dislike it. Go ahead. Um, I was just thinking that looking at the Hadith, um, the Prophet ﷺ didn't know the woman. So I was just thinking that maybe she wasn't around for the first, like she wasn't around in the community to do the first namaz as a jamaat. So I don't know if he doesn't know her or like she was Allah new. Allah. So it, I was just thinking that like maybe she started to like not be able to pray in jamaat or, and the Prophet ﷺ didn't actually know her because of the fact that she wasn't able to be there because she was up all night. Allahu alam. But we would think good about the Sahaba that they wouldn't leave uh, fard for the sake of nafila. You see, one major consequence of making things hard upon yourself is that people around you also suffer. They suffer too. So for example, if you say that, okay, now I have to pray the hajjud for like three hours every night. Every single night. And the nights are short now. Right? So if you're praying for three hours every single night, and then you have children, and you have family, and then what happens? You're not able to wake up in the morning when everybody else is awake. You're not giving them their lunches. Alright? You're sleeping through the day, so the dinner is not ready, and the house is not clean. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You are enjoying your prayer in the night, but everybody else is also getting affected. How are they going to view your salah? Are they going to like it? No. They're going to suffer because of it. Right? So we see that the Prophet ﷺ was not impressed with this extreme kind of worship. He discouraged that. And we see that wisdom is that you do what you can. You do what you can, and you do it with consistency. Now this doesn't mean that we become so easy in ourselves and we say, Oh, that did this not fad, so never pray it. This is the other extreme that we go to. Right? Oh, this is not fad, this is nafila, so just leave it. No. Don't abandon it completely. Start with a little. Continue to do it. Once you have a habit, then increase. Alright? This is how you will have consistency, you will enjoy what you're doing, and this is how your deed will become beloved to Allah also. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes deeds which are consistent. And you see the last part, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَمَلُّ حَتَّى تَمَلُّ Allah does not get tired until you get tired. Meaning no matter how much you do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always have more reward to give. Isn't it? He does not get tired of giving reward. Does he? No. You get tired of performing your worship. So you have to see how much you can do.